Anthony Bourdain killed himself. It surprised me how much it hurt. But after I processed it a little, I began to feel silly about it. I realized that this part, the real part, was none of my business. And to be honest, it felt right somehow. Celebrity chef Anthony Bourdain, dead by suicide, having hanged himself with a bathrobe belt at a four-star hotel in France. A romantic setting for a romantic death. I then found myself sticking up for his decision. I was angry that he was being judged, upset that the media and the public seemed to think they could figure out why, seemed to think that empty platitudes could have saved him, that by creating an outpouring of grief they somehow could show the love they felt he needed to miraculously come back. But he didn't need to come back. They needed him, I needed him, to come back. Because when a beloved celebrity dies, it leaves the common folk feeling a little shook up. Like if something terrible can befall an idol, that means none of us are safe. And of course the whole thing is ridiculous. Of course we're all just human, all equally mortal. But shit, it was better when I felt like I was hanging out with Bourdain rather than perhaps on pace to be hanging like him. We are back off episode 26 26 26 episodes now 26 that's when you can legally do all the things that you could for the last five years yeah exactly yeah you've, you've been well versed in all the things that are legal and probably illegal if we're being honest you have nothing to look forward to after 21 no nope. 26 is a forgettable age you know it's like your mid-30s you forget how old you are yeah you know 26 who cares I had to ask my wife the other day how old I was. That's a gen- that really happened. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I, I said, how old am I going to be my next birthday? And she had to tell me. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. 26. This, that means we've, that, that, that does mean that this show has some momentum though. That's, that's really cool. And how could it not? And listen to me, you know, I sound like this. That, that uh, yeah, it's like, so you're right. Against all odds. <laughs> Usually this accent is only acceptable on Fox News. <laughs> and only certain times of the year. <laughs> oh, man. Now, look up. I know that we typically do uh, a one case per episode episode here, right? Like Ted Bundy. Yeah. We've never done Ted Bundy. But, you know, Ed Kemper. Like when we do an episode, it's just one person. That's what we're covering the the episode. But there have been exceptions, right? With bog bodies, for example, botched executions, et cetera. Uh, by et cetera, I mean those are the only two where we've done something like this. Uh-huh. What, I, what I'm saying is uh, this is going to be another multi-story episode in that same kind of spirit. Uh, where we're not talking about one instance, one story, one occasion, but a whole bunch of different stories 
Today we're talking about odd celebrity deaths. Oh, fun. I'm excited about that. Yeah, this one's a little bit more chill, right? Because you can joke about dead rich people, and I think that's okay. Yeah, and it actually doesn't even matter what color they are. You can talk about rich people that are dead in an offhand way, in a joking... It, yeah, they're, they're completely fair game. Now, I picked... The celebrities that I picked from, uh, some people may have never heard of them before, but we all know how Paul Walker died. We all know how Elvis Presley died. We all know how Brittany Murphy yeah. died. We all know how Jim Varney died, who was the voice of Slinky the Dog in the Toy Story movies and also Ernest P. Worrell in the Ernest franchise. <laughs> so That's right. And maybe you don't know how he died. It was cancer from cigarettes. Not a lot, not a lot to say there. You know what he used to do? He did used car commercials in Washington before he was super famous. I saw he, he was on, he was on my TV all the time when I lived in Washington. I loved Jim Varney. Yeah. He's a good guy. So we're, we're focusing on, uh, celebrity deaths that were, that were weird. They're, they're, they're fun to talk about. Turns out, you know, they died just like us. Cancer sometimes sneaks them up and punches them in the asshole. <laughs> just because, just like it did your your uncle that probably loved red meat. Yeah. Occasionally, a car wreck will rearrange the innards of royalty. Shout out to Princess Diana. <laughs> uh, maybe even a helicopter can take seemingly invincible basketball stars and tell them to fuck off by going nose first into the ground at 150 miles an hour. Yep. Helicopters don't care. Ask Joe. They don't. Right. They don't. Should have brought him in on this one. Got his opinion yeah, on all. Th- exactly. Yeah. But as a quick side note on that, did, have you heard of late, like his autopsy uh, report got leaked? Yeah, I read I read the entire thing, the, the yeah. entire thing, and pretty, pretty brutal. Yeah, he didn't come out in one piece. No, Oof. he, the biggest piece was his torso, actually, and his right arm. Yeah. And his head. Uh, Most of them was lost in the wreckage. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. It's it's it was bad. Tell tell me tell me though, please tell me because I I I know that that showed up and I looked at like this drawing this the, the autopsy drawing. Yeah, it's about as far as I went with it. But tell me, his daughter's autopsy didn't hit the news. Uh, they were all available. The autopsy for everybody that died in that. Um, none of them. Uh, none of them made it out unscathed. Uh. It was, so terrible. it was, I mean, when you hit the ground in a helicopter at 150 miles an hour, that's basically a giant tin can, you know, yeah. spinning with blade spinning at 200 metal 000. and glass and spinning. It's going to be ugly. Yeah, it is. Have you ever seen, I remember there's a video, <laughs> I don't mean to giggle, but when the helicopter blades are spinning, it, they're they're invisible mostly, you know, so you don't know how high or where exactly they're at. And I remember watching this one this helicopter had landed, and this lady ran around the back of the helicopter and forgot about the tail. Oh yeah, blades made hash browns. Yeah, ran right into them, and it was sort of dark, and it was backlit, so there was like just it was like and pink mist, just yeah, you know. Look like a gender reveal. It's a girl. It was a girl yeah. for sure. This time. Oh boy. Yeah. Those they, helicopters don't care about your, your skin. They well, don't. you know, with all that in mind, uh, the reason I wanted to, to open up like this is because 
we I like I like doing deep dives. I like going getting as much information as I can. But we're not going to do that. We got a lot of people to talk about, so we can't go over their entire life in this episode. We're going to you know skim off their accomplishments and then go right into game over. Yay! That should be fun. That's what that's what we're going to. We just don't have time. We have a lot to talk about and only a few hours to do so. So I guess let's get started. Uh, what celebrity death affected you the most? Um, let me think. Well, it's probably a toss up between Kurt Cobain and, well, I don't know. Of late, there's been a couple that have haunted me. Like Chris Cornell bothers me. Right. Uh, the, the, the lead singer of, um, Soundgarden. Yeah. 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 So Chris Cornell. Yeah. And then the, the lead singer of that one band where he screams all the, the Dixie Chicks. Did they die? I don't know. I hope so. I haven't seen her in like 12 years. I don't like the one girl, the, 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 di- the dick of the Dixie Chicks. You know, the one that puts the dick in the Dixie Chicks name. She sucks. What, what band member were you talking about? That- the, the guy. So he's like, I tried so hard and got oh, so far. The guy from, from, uh, from. <gasps> right. I can't think of it. I just. The, the listener is screaming yeah. into the microphone. I could see his right. face. Yeah. I, 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 they they sang, chick got it, chick, chick, chick got it. Yeah, Limp Biscuit. I'm kidding. Yeah. That that band. Oh, I can't What is the it. band? I can't. Like, I, I, I just keep thinking Blink-182. I can't move on. That, I can't. Until do, we, I got it. 2,000 years later. Lincoln Park. Lincoln Park. Ugh, that's. Yeah. I feel better. This this yeah. episode would have been shit if I had that <laughs> rolling around in the back of my head the whole time. Yeah, th- those two haunt me of of late because I know they both they both kind of had skeletons in their closet. But there's a there the, it was it's inter- and I'm going to sound kind of like a foil head maybe, but they were both part of this underground effort to try to stop human trafficking, and it's just weird to me that they both got got uh ended it seems suspect oh okay i see like maybe maybe they got clinton yeah yeah exactly yeah. you know kurt corbain uh chris farley those are the other ones where i'm like oh man you know just creepy quiet like the the the, the deaths that seem to have happened and nobody was around and it's like i always hate those ones they're just so quiet and still you know that everything just if know, ashton kutcher Ever commit suicide, then you know. Yeah. You like know. He's completely up. shifted his career to, to yes. ending child trafficking. So, yeah. Something's definitely up there. Because they're, de- they're taking everybody out that has to do with child trafficking. I mean, Epstein. You fall down an elevator shaft onto some bullets. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Happens <laughs> all the time. This isn't a list that, that a celebrity would want to be on today, but our, our first, first on the batter's box, we have Sonny Bono. You know who Sonny Bono is? Oh, yeah. I got you, babe. That's right. Musician, known for being half of Sonny and Cher. I don't know if a lot of people know this. He was also an actor and a Republican politician in the House of Representatives. Interesting. Huh. Probably to the shock of nobody, the second he got into politics, uh, much of what he was concerned about was copyright laws. And because politicians aren't usually in politics, you know, for helping the everybody, right? He had a lot to gain, I would argue. He had a, a very focused passion <laughs> there. 
Sonny Bono married Cher in 1964, had a kid with her in 1969 named Chastity. Uh, Chastity, just so that we we stay woke here on TCK, is now Chaz. Oh, yeah. okay. Chaz, Chastity had gender reassignment surgery in 2012 and is the proud new owner of a micro penis. Wow, that's fun. Welcome. So welcome to the club, Chaz. <laughs> Don't wear gray sweatpants. <laughs> Uh, and the only reason I say that is anybody that gets that gender reassignment surgery, they're not packing a hog. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I mean, I, money probably is a factor on on how much of a uh, how much artillery you end up harnessing. But well, they make your they make your wiener out of your vagina, right? Yeah, I, um, yeah, they uh, they reassign your your urinary tract, and uh, yeah, they just flip it inside out and pump it full of chicken leg, <laughs> not chicken bones. <laughs> I'm just saying that, you know, people that have had sexual reassignment surgery that went from female to male, they're probably not packing one of them, one of them Down syndrome hogs. (laughs) And there's the end of the woke part. (laughs) (laughs) When Sonny Bono uh, was with Cher, they they had some big hits, a lot of big hits. I got you, babe. Bunch of others. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. So yep. many were just going to list I Got You, Babe. That was the only one that I knew. Like, I read them all. And I was like, don't know that. Don't know that. I Got You, Babe. That was it. Yep. Oh, man. Cher Sonobono was only five foot five. Well, you could tell anytime he was next to Cher, Cher seemed like an Amazon woman next to him. He's just like this tiny, like, teacup husband. Yeah. Cher, Cher actually wrote, I've Got You, Babe, after Sony couldn't reach the plates on the top shelf in the kitchen one night. <laughs> She was four inches taller than he was. I've got you, babe. Don't worry. I got you. I've got you, babe. Uh, okay, I made that up. That's a lie. Sony Bono actually wrote that song. Oh, uh, did he? Can I, can I actually, yeah. I would like to read the snippet from that song. Okay. Yeah. Oh, the woman I had before never understood me. Now that I found you, baby, I ain't going to look no further. Now that I found you, baby, I ain't going to look no further. Now that I found you, baby, I ain't going to look no further. Anyways, after Sonny cheated on Cher a lot, what? they eventually filed for divorce in 1974. <laughs> Must have been that big old mustache he had. Just listen to the lyrics. Now that I found you, baby, I ain't going to look no further. <laughs> and then he cheated on her with like everyone. He was fucking <laughs> jerking dudes off and eating chicks out. Oh, wow. Probably Janice Joplin with all her <laughs> herpes and chlamydia and syphilis she had like 33 stds when they did her autopsy she looked like if moldy bread was a person that's what moldy bread would look and smell like she just looked like that she looked like the living embodiment of goodwill clothing (laughs) yeah Yeah. or just a goodwill (laughs) building just just the goodwill aura (laughs) yeah gross so Sonny uh, cheated on Cher like a lot with everyone. And then Cher ended up cheating on Sonny too. They got a divorce in 1974. And after that, Sonny tried his acting, his hand at acting, and spent much of the 70s, 80s, and 90s in film and movies, most of which you probably haven't seen. Outside of like Hairspray and Airplane 2. Yeah, I've seen both of those. That was really, you know, I looked through all his credits. Uh, those are the only two, at least, that I that I that stood out to me. Uh, most of it was like bit parts and small stuff, background characters, 
you know, guy brushing dog's hair. Or where he's on a film as himself. <laughs> yeah. As you know. Sonny Bono. Yeah. yeah but uh-huh. you didn't even know he's there because he's five foot five. <laughs> yeah. Guy that can't reach glass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So in uh, 1988, you know, he got into California politics and politicked until his death in 1998. That's what he was doing for the majority of, of the last decade of his life was politics. Huh. Anyways, January 5th, 1998, 62-year-old Sony Bono and his fourth wife, Mary, were visiting the Heavenly Ski Resort, and that's located in the Nevada-California border, some 55 miles south of Reno, Nevada. They have their young son and daughter with them. Now, the accident that will end up taking Sonny's life occurred when Sonny left his family to ski alone on the afternoon of January 5th. So he, he goes alone to go skiing. He's reported missing several, several hours later, shortly after 4.30 p.m., and his body was found that evening. Police said Bono had skied into a wooded area. Now, he was a professional skier. I should point that out. Mm. Sonny Bono was a professional skier. No, no hack. You know, he knew the pizza and French fry. <laughs> you're going to, if you pizza when you're supposed to French fry, going to have a bad time. <laughs> you know what that's off of? Uh-uh. South Park. Oh, okay. If you French fry when you're supposed to pizza, going to have a bad time. <laughs> pizza is when you take your, your skis and you bring them into a triangle, like, like the end of a pizza. Yes. French fry. Yeah. Is when you've got them. Out. So speed is French fry. Stop is pizza. Stop is pizza. Yeah. Makes sense. I don't know if Sonny Bono was French frying when he was supposed to pizza, but it turns out that uh, Sonny Bono had skied into a wooded area and hit a fucking tree. (laughs) Like going really fast. I shouldn't laugh. Uh, The cause of death was massive head injuries. This happens surprisingly more than you would think. Uh, I thought this was an odd death. At first, I kind of front-loaded the episode, so we've got something light-hearted, right? <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you would be surprised at how often people die this way. They're always rich. Because well, only fucking yeah. rich people go skiing. So I skied for like 11 years, and I learned how to ski. My, my elementary school in Chicago went to a ski resort, but we had to go across the state lines to a man-made ski hill. Oh, it was like the bad side of the tracks. Like uh-huh. a, lot of, a lot of crips on skis. Yeah, it was like West Side Story on ice. They got graffitied skis. <laughs> <laughs> no pizza allowed. No pizza. You know, that kind of stuff. And I had I had done what Sonny had done, and I had gone away from my group, and I was feeling ever so confident. I shouldn't have been. And I, I French fried this whole run. I just bombed it. And, yeah. but I got to the end and the, the snowmaker machine had made all this like really roughed up snow and I didn't see it in time. The tips of my skis hit it and I just, it just slapped me forward and just slapped my face and just like ice. Boom. I was out. I don't remember anything. I, I woke, like I, I came to on the bus going home. And every, I had been awake for a while. Apparently, I was I was conversant on the way down. Apparently, I was talking in the lodge. I don't remember any of it. So yeah, I can definitely I could see how rich people would die I, because I was poor. I survived, but right. a rich person would have died. Yeah, soft skulls. 
the rich. Yep, that extra wallet weight, maybe? Yeah. Officials estimated that Bono had hit the tree between 20 and 30 miles per hour. Ouch. That's really hauling some some rich ass down the side that of that is. mountain. Some sunny Bono, five foot five, I got you, babe, politician ass. <laughs> it just makes me wonder if if when he hit the tree, if it sounded like this. It's a little tiny thing. Beep. The birds <laughs> didn't even fly out of it. <laughs> yeah. Like, what the what? The autopsy conducted by the Douglas County coroner showed no indication of any substances or alcohol. So he was sober when he hit it. Uh. Coincidentally, Bono's death occurred less than a week. Now, remember I said, happens more than you suspect. Happened a week after another high-profile accident killed Michael Kennedy the same way, the son of late U.S. Attorney General and U.S. Senator Robert F. Kennedy on the ski, slo- on the ski slopes in Aspen, Colorado. Michael Kennedy did oh, wow. the same way. Those Kennedys, none of them can stay alive. So that was Sonny, Sonny Bono, the life and and fast ending of Sonny Bono into a tree. Figure huh. we start off light. Yeah. He was only five foot five, so he didn't weigh much. He's light. Yeah. <laughs> Next up, Anton Yelchin. Now, I do, I, I did, because of the nature of what this episode is covering, it's did. I did like Anton Yelchin quite a bit. He was a young up and coming actor that was in films and television. Uh, between 2000 and 2016. Uh, and if he was still alive today, would probably be playing like the Black Panther or something in the Marvel Universe if he hadn't, you know, died so young in 2016. And if he wasn't white. Uh, yeah, right. So maybe not the Black Panther, maybe Spider-Man. Yeah, he definitely would have been one of the Spider-Men. He also could have been one of the um, the Colonel Sanders on, on Kentucky Fried Chicken commercials because they can't seem to keep the same actor for... That role. So I think that never my favorite Colonel Sanders was Norm MacDonald. The Norm yes. MacDonald Colonel Sanders? By far. By far. By far. It, but but Anton Yelchin was definitely more of a Spider-Man kind of like kind of kind of a Toby Maguire, kind of Tom Holland, you know. W- wasn't he he played the Russian Star Trek? Yes, Cheklov. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He, I liked he's him got one so of those faces much. where you see him and you're like, oh, I know him. Yeah. Because he's been in so so many movies. Yeah, a lot of coming-of-age tales. Yeah, because he was so young when he died. He was just getting started, man. Look, my point is that if he had lived, if he hadn't died, and if he had done just enough, like, virtue signaling on Twitter, mm-hmm. he he would probably be huge today. Yeah. Because he was on that route. Like, he was on the tracks to fame, to global fame. He had trajectory. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, good-looking dude. I mean, he had roles in some pretty great flicks prior to his death. Alpha Dog. I don't know if you've ever seen Alpha Dog. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Great movie. Yep. Amazing movie. Worked with with uh, Sharon Stone, Justin Timberlake, Bruce Willis, yep. and Alpha Dog. Terminator Salvation, where he played Kyle Reese alongside Christian Bell. Yep. He was in a movie called The Beaver, which is an uh, underrated kind of gym. I really like The Beaver. Uh, with Mel Gibson, Jodie Foster, Jennifer Lawrence. Um, and I know you're thinking, The Beaver? What is that? A National Lampoon's movie? Yeah. What is that? Uh, it's a psychological movie. Uh, Mel Gibson plays this kind of broken man. He's He's got some mental health issues. He's got a family, and he finds, he comes across, I can't remember how, he comes across this this beaver puppet, and he puts it on his hand, and he and he lets this puppet consume him, <laughs> and, he, and he, he, like, puts all of his personality into this puppet, and he won't take it off. Really? I got to see that. 
for two reasons. It sounds interesting. And, and watching Mel Gibson act like he's got mental problems, that's a stretch. I got to see that. I can't imagine. Yeah, he's just, they said, Mel, just come on in here and be you. Be you. <laughs> oh, man. Just whatever you were going to be doing at home, <laughs> just do it here. Do that here. <laughs> Anton Yelchin also in Fright Night with Colin Farrell. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, my personal favorite, Odd Thomas with Willem Dafoe. That was a great movie. Uh, not a lot of people have seen that. But, I mean, if you look at his IMDb, uh, he, he was in about a million movies in between those that I said. He's basically more connected to people than Kevin Bacon. You know, like the six degrees of Kevin Bacon? Yep. Yeah. That's basically what what Anton, you could do a six degrees of Anton Yelchin because he worked with everyone in the entry, industry. Worked with everybody. He was on a rocket ship to start him. He sounds like he should have been on that ill-fated camping trip with the rest of the Russians. This is name. He does. You know? I like that name, though. Yeah, me too. Anton Yelchin. Yeah, it, it, it could be an actor. It could be a politician. could be a serial killer. It could be so many. It could things. be a UFC fighter. Yeah. Yep. I can see that. Exactly. Anton Yelchin wins, uh, yeah, another gold medal. Oh, those goddamn Russians. Yep. Beating all our white American fighters. <laughs> True. So, you know, I was a fan. I like I liked Anton Yelchin a lot. Uh, and if you haven't seen Odd Thomas, I, I strongly suggest watching it. It's a pretty good movie. It's it's a kind of a horror comedy. I read the book. I have not seen the movie. Though. Have you really? Yeah. I didn't even know that it was a book. Yeah. Before it was a movie, it was a book. Well, in 2012, Anton purchased a three bedroom home in Studio City in Los Angeles, California, for nine hundred forty five thousand dollars and. $945,000 in LA. I imagine it was probably a closet. Yeah. <laughs> but he's a young up and coming actor, right? It was fenced in, had a security gate at the end of a, of a driveway entrance. Uh, the driveway was on a sloped hill. So when you pulled off the road to get to the house, uh, the house was down in like a little valley over a hill. So kind of built on like a mountainside. Interesting. Right. So yeah. when you pulled off the main road, you went down a driveway to the front of his house. Okay. Oh, sort of like the latest movie by Kill Bill guy where it, it, the murders that happened in the Hollywood Hills. Why can't I think of anything? Oh, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. Like those, it reminds me of those driveways, those driveways kind of. Only you had to go over, down a hill to get to his house as opposed to in all the ones that once upon a time in Hollywood, you had to go oh, up a hill okay. to get to their. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's important to the story. I'm not just rambling about the the, <laughs> the geography of this house. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's pretty detrimental to the to the over, overlapping story here. True crime kids getting long in the tooth. If we're yeah. <laughs> talking lat long. There were tulips. And petunias. The latitude, longitude of this house was. <laughs> it was a marathon, 0. 0.7 miles. <laughs> and it's a Taco Bell now. <laughs> so he's got this nice three-bedroom home in Studio City in L.A. He spends the next, and like I said, he bought that in 2012, but he spends the next three years acting and doing acting things, like, you know, pretending to be sad or angry or upset, pretending to be depressed or dead yeah all of all of the acting things yeah he does all the acting things and he does them well so in 2016 he purchases a 2015 jeep grand cherokee and this will be the end of him because in april of 2016 that very model that he purchased 
was recalled for causing over 40 injuries and deaths to people because, quote, actually, you know what? Do do your, you don't have to do Southern, Southern black gentlemen. Do another accent if you want. What's another, what's another one? <clears throat> um, let's do, oh, I know. Let's do Southern black gentlemen. Okay. Okay. <laughs> here we here we are. All right. These injuries and deaths are, were caused by quote operation of the monostable shifter is not intuitive and provides poor tactile and visual feedback to the driver, increasing the potential for unintended gear selection. So to put it simply, the shifter on this damn thing was confusing as hell. <laughs> The shifter on a 2005 Jeep Cherokee is, is spring-loaded up. Uh, and by that, I mean it returns to center after you put it in park, reverse, neutral, or drive. So when you push it up, right, to go to park, it pops back. It, it, it stays in once, regardless of what, what gear you're in, whether it be drive, neutral, or park, reverse, it stays in one location on the shifter. I see. So it's, it's sort of a, if like a Porsche paddle shifter. And a hand shifter had a baby, it'd be this. And then when you tap it into whatever gear, it lights up and tells you what gear you're in kind of thing. Yes. The problem is, A, if you're not paying attention, it's super easy to throw it into something that you weren't intending. And B, uh, there were very little visual cues as to what gear it was in, uh, even when you get there, aside from a little light on a dash and an even smaller light on the shifter bezel itself. So it's super easy if you're in a hurry, you're trying to get somewhere, throw it in drive, throw it in in reverse, and you're in neutral or you're in park or you're in reverse or you're in drive, right? Yeah. So that was this guy's Jeep was one of these recalled ones. Exactly. Yeah. It was all too easy to think you had just slid it like into park and and then you suddenly find yourself sitting in the pharmacy section of a Walgreens (laughs) with bits of broken brick around you and an old lady screaming about her fibula. That old trope. Yelchin was leaving his home in the early evening of June 18th, 2016 for rehearsal of his new Star Trek film that was coming out, which you were talking about earlier. Yeah. Uh, he, he was re- a recurring character in all of the new Star Trek movies. I haven't seen any of them, uh, but he did play a character by the name of Chekhov, who was uh, pretty important, I suppose. Yeah. I still haven't seen him. Yeah, Chekhov was, a, he was, yeah, he's very critical. He was the one that was always like, it. I'm trying to make it do what... No, wait. No, that's the... It just won't do it, Captain. Yeah, exactly. I was Scottish there for a second. Yeah, no. Yeah, trying to make it work. Yeah, you should see those. They're good. I don't know. I just never cared about Star Trek or Star Wars. I'll tell you this. I tried. Those Star Trek movies, in this case, aren't... They don't feel... They don't feel Star Trek vibey to me. Like, Like, you don't have to know about Star Trek to enjoy those ones. You know, like Star Wars, you kind of have to. You have to be like, oh no, that's Captain Eliza Dushku coming off the ship. And uh, the only way you can know about him is if you read the, the seventh book. Yeah. Why is he in the movie? But but uh, Star Trek is, doesn't really feel like that. It, it's got... Oh, what know. was that creature? That was a flubbuster. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he was in the ninth book and the third video game. You know, they had those on Planet yeah. Jizz. Pussy planet. Yeah, the whole the whole planet's made out of pussies. Labias. That's in the eighth book and the fifth game. In the ninth book, the whole planet converts to penises. 
Yeah, and that was on the board game. I don't know if you played the board game. You, you only know that if you play the board yeah, game. Yeah, change the name name of the planet to Chaz. Why do people... Uh, never mind. Sorry. <laughs> <clears throat> I get into <clears throat> I get into weird stuff, too, so I can't judge it. Like, if, if Star Wars makes you happy, then good on you. I'm glad that it makes you happy. Yeah. I'm not going to be one of those people that shits on something that <laughs> somebody else likes besides skiing. Fuck you if you ski. <laughs> so uh, Anton Yelchin, he's in these Star Trek movies, um, and that's where he's leaving... On the uh, evening of June 18, 2016, he's going to a rehearsal for his part as Chekhov in these in this upcoming Star Trek film. Now, on this evening, he leaves his house. He pulls up the hill in his driveway and and past the gate, the security gate. Now, this the security gate has to be physically opened and closed. It doesn't have a button. Oh, so he's only sort of rich. Yeah, he's like right there at the cusp. Mm. Uh, I mean, he owns a three-bedroom house in Los Angeles, so that's... He's doing all right. He's doing pretty good. Yeah. He's doing pretty good. He's no schlub. Pulls up to the gate, gets out, opens the gate, pulls through the gate, throws the car in park, and gets out to close the gate. However, because of this horrible fault in these Jeep Cherokees, he had accidentally thrown the car in neutral. And as Anton Yelchin went around the back of the vehicle to move the gate back to close the gate, the car rolled backwards and pinned him against the large brick pillar that one of the gates was attached to. Corner decided he had survived for about one minute and eventually died of blunt traumatic asphyxia. He was 27 years old at the time. That's terrible. That would be a terrible way to go. I'm kind of bummed out about this one because I really like this kid. Yeah, me too. He was 27. He wasn't a kid. He had a baby face. Yeah. Well, we all kind of super young. We watched him grow up. If, If you, you know, through the movies, he was young, very young. And then was yeah. not so young. And he actually, I think he bridged that chasm between child actor to adult actor rather successfully. He did. Absolutely. I, I, I would bet a million dollars that if he, if he hadn't died, he would be, this kid would be huge. He would. Right now. He wouldn't even have to be in a Fast and Furious movie. That's how big he would have been. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe, you know, do a couple marches, like a couple tweets. That, that. Yep. He would, he'd, yeah, he'd woke, he'd woke out just enough. And I believe he would actually grasp the brass ring, which is he would end up being let next to Leonardo DiCaprio movie in every movie made by that guy with the big eyebrows. Quentin Tarantino? No, the other one. The, the Stanley Kubrick, who's dead now. The one who did James Cameron. No, the one who did all the gangster movies. Martin Scorsese. Yes, Scorsese. I'll bet you he would have graduated to Scorsese films. He definitely had some Scorsese in him. Definitely had some Jeep in him by the end. Well, a little after, <laughs> yeah, a little after midnight uh, in the early morning of June 19th. So this is, it's the next day, but not like this happened June 18th in the evening, right? This is the early morning of June 19th. So realistically, realistic, realistically, uh, probably uh, try to do like five hours later. Uh, a group of Anton Yelchin's friends, they find his body. It's still held up. His chest is against the pillar, uh, held up standing because it's pinned against this this brick pillar by the Jeep. The Jeep is still running. And like I said, he had been dead for several several hours at that point. And that was the end of, of young Anton Yelchin. And where he would go and what he would do, we will never know, unfortunately. I just Googled this. But apparently his family settled a lawsuit. They did. Yes, they did. I read that. Okay. Good. Very sad. Yeah. Very sad. Think about what he he may have done. 
Yeah, that's really sad. He had a lot of potential. Next up, Op, who do you think it's going to be? I'll tell you. David Carradine. Oh, I would have never guessed. If he didn't die the weirdest way, I'm interested in who's afters. But yes, please continue. <laughs> David Carradine. A lot of people know this guy, especially probably our parents, the parents of a lot of people listening to this. Uh, famous actor with movie credits that go all the way back to 1963. Notable movies like a million westerns, 10 million kung fu movies. That's right. He was in a shitload of westerns, shitload of kung fu movies. Most notably, uh, he was Bill, though, uh, the bad guy in the famous Tarantino Kill Bill franchise, which we were talking about uh, a minute ago. Yep. I've never seen Kill Bill, to be honest with you. I'm just not, not interested in it. I I saw, like... I don't know if it was a clip from it or something. And it was just like so much like ridiculous, but it's Tarantino, right? So everything's over the top. I don't care for Tarantino. Yeah, A lot of what he does is just over the top. And it was so much, it was like unrealistic violence happening in a, you know, small dojo. It's unrealistic violence and, and women's feet. <laughs> that's, that's what Tarantino yeah. is. <laughs> I haven't seen it. Oh, wow. wow. We're both we're both Kill Bill not watching twins. I loved Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Me too. And I liked Django. Django Unchained was amazing. Yes. But I think that like Reservoir Dogs, overrated. Yeah. Pulp Fiction, overrated. Interestingly, Pulp Fiction gained the notoriety that I think Reservoir Dogs should have had. I think Reservoir Dogs is better than Pulp Fiction. I do Fiction. too. I do too. Yep. He He did some grindhouse movies that weren't that great. Yeah, what was that one? It was uh, like Dust. Did he do, do Dust Till Dawn? So Dust Till Dawn was actually directed by uh, Rodriguez. Uh, maybe Tarantino. Tarantino helped with Dust Till Dawn, okay. but I think it was a joint venture venture with him and Rodriguez. Okay, because it felt very. I might be wrong. Look it up real quick. Song. No, that's the song. Two criminals and their hostages unknowingly seek temporary refuge in a truck stop populated by vampires. It is director. Yeah, Robert Rodriguez, you're right. Oh, uh, Quentin Tarantino did the screenplay. He was that's, in it. Yeah, that's why it felt Tarantino-like. Had it ended up with Salma Hayek's foot yes. in his mouth. Yeah, oh, he's on the cover. Loved every yeah, second of it. cover too, so there's that. And, and I love Dust Till Dawn. Yeah. That's a great movie. So uh, that's the only movie I've ever seen where you can watch the first like 45 minutes of it and be like, this is a pretty good movie about bad guys escaping a robbery and then halfway through the second act it suddenly turns into a fucking vampire movie yes like there's <laughs> there's no indication whatsoever that that's what this movie is going to be about you know which one you know which one does that for me which but not in a good way do you remember the stanley schindler's list <laughs> gosh Yes, but <laughs> uh, the Stanley Kubrick movie AI. Oh, with Haley Joe Osment. Yeah, it starts it's a out great movie. It, yeah, it starts out in a whole one way, and then it ends up like New York's underwater, aliens. and there's aliens. I was like, that is yeah. so. But then I had to remember at the end. I was like, it's a Stanley Kubrick movie. It was post his death. It's actually, not a Stanley Kubrick movie. That's a James Cameron movie. Right. He did it. But Stanley Kubrick wrote yeah, it. Yeah, and that's why it ends up being so weird, but also so like beautiful and CGI is because Cameron did it. But anyway, I digress. I, I love that movie. It's, it's so wild. It's so wild. We got on a side we show. Really so I could talk movies all day. Oh, I'm yeah. Sorry. I've never seen Kill Bill. 
That's that's what that's what started all this. Yeah. Uh, I'm never gonna watch Kill Bill. Don't tweet at me. <laughs> I should watch. I don't give a fuck about ninjas <laughs> or any of that stuff. I just it's not it's, it's not something that I would be interested in. I did watch uh, a scene with David Carradine who, who, who David Carradine here um, who this this little snippet of the podcast is about. He plays a really good bad guy, like a fantastic mm. bad guy. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, but I just don't care enough to watch them all. In June 2009, David Carradine was in Bangkok, Thailand, filming a movie called Stretch, and he was staying in the Swiss Hotel Nylert Park Hotel. Uh, and at the time, it was a high-end luxury hotel, but it sold in 2016 for $311 million and is now a holistic medicine clinic and probably now has a higher body count than Planned Parenthood. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> That wasn't a jab at abortions. I love abortions. <laughs> so many abortions. <laughs> yeah. I'm oh, glad we disclaimed that. Ugh. I say get I say get pregnant just so you can get an abortion. <laughs> that's what I say. I think that's the that's their slogan. I just I don't go. Get that little fella out of there. <laughs> little crot little crotch roach. Get him out of there. Orkin man. Think about it. That's kind of what an abortion, an abortionist is. Exterminator. Like an, an orca man for people. He's a sex terminator. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> got my little roach vacuum. Oh, gosh. We are. You got to scare them out of their hiding spot first with that jabber <laughs> thing where you just, because you got to stick a, they stick a thing up there, I think, and they just make baby soup out of it. <laughs> they do. Wow. I'm, I'm sure we, uh, <laughs> If the, if our information about David Carradine hasn't done it, that we've triggered a couple people. <laughs> but wait, there's more. Because guess how he dies. <laughs> uh. He was staying in this in this uh, high end luxury hotel that is now a, a holistic medicine clinic. Um, and I don't since we're since we're on the uh, fuck it, holistic medicine is garbage. And Steve Jobs would probably agree. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> He can't agree, though, because he trusted in holistic medicine. <laughs> Stretch, by the way, he was filming a movie, Stretch, staying at this high-end luxury motel in, in Bangkok, Thailand. Uh, Stretch was a movie, for anybody wondering, I've never heard of Stretch. I've never seen Stretch. Well, this is why. Stretch was a movie about a horse jockey in China, and it's and it's like criminal underbelly, and this horse jockey get involved in crime. Seems like a fucking terrible movie. Yeah, uh, sounds really bad movie to go out on. Serious. One would argue. Yeah, I'd agree. Could be worse. Raw Julia's last movie, last like legitimate movie was Street Fighter. Where, oh, yeah. See, and that's that's one of those ones where it's like, you don't know that's going to be your last movie. You think it's like, you know, the bridge to your next, you know, up and coming kind of. That's sad. No, he knew. <laughs> The only reason he took that Raw Julia took Street Fighter was because his kids loved the game and they had him playing Boston. And actually, when they did his cost, because he had died of stomach cancer. Oh, so when they did his fitting for his costume for Boston, because he played the bad guy in Street Fighter, right? Yeah. By the time he had lost so much weight between uh, casting and filming that they had to make adjustments to his costume because he had lost so much weight uh, because of his cancer. So they, so he, oh, he knew. He knew, yeah, he knew he he knew he was gonna die the entire filming of Street Fighter. He pulled a Black Panther. Yeah. 
Yeah. Have you seen that one interview with the guy from Black Panther where they're like, just tell us about the next movie? And he's like, I'm dead. I'm dead. Have you seen that interview? He says that? He, sa- he says, I'm dead. And they're like, no, no, okay. No, tell us for real. He's like, I'm dead. I'm dead. Like he knew he was going to be, he knew he was dying. Man, I have so much respect for people that approach death that way. Yeah. I haven't told anybody this, but I'm going to die someday. You're brave. Uh, Thank you. You're very brave. Thank you. Heard it here first. But you're in good health right now. Well, yeah. Yeah, I guess you could say that. (laughs) 11 a.m., Friday morning, June 5th, 2009. I know we've lost track of time. We're talking about David Carradine. (laughs) He's staying at this luxury hotel filming the movie Stretch in Bangkok, Thailand. 11 a.m., Friday morning, June 5th, 2009. A hotel maid comes into Carradine's for Car- comes to Carradine's room for like routine cleaning and fresh towel, you know, <laughs> service, that kind of thing. Just the regular stuff. Yep. Uh, immediately, upon, she knocks a few times. Nobody answers. Uh, upon entry to her left, she sees an open closet with a leg poking out of it. Takes a few more steps into the room, and that brings the whole picture into view. David Carradine... Uh, the beloved bad guy from Kill Bill and the Kung Fu Master and this this icon in Hollywood is hanging nude from the clothes hanger pole in the closet. Now, you're probably thinking, oh, he like killed himself or he was murdered by ninjas. Yep. Put so much of his life's work into playing ninjas. Yeah. That wasn't, uh, that doesn't seem to be the case because the body was found with one end of a shoelace tied around his penis and the other end fastened around his neck. Wow. Both of his hands were bound with a curtain rope. So you know how the curtains have in fancy places, the curtains have those like gold looking ropes that. Hold oh yeah. Back. The braided rope. So he had taken one of those and, and tied that around his neck and it was tied also to the, to the bar in the closet. Right. Oof. He had he done was, all this himself. Yes. He was mostly naked, but he was wearing a, a women's black wig and fishnet stockings. Interesting. In front of him on the wall was pinned an erotic photo. No matter how much I, t- I looked, I couldn't figure out what photo it was, but it was porn- pornography of some kind. Uh, Women's red lingerie was laying on the bed beside him. 2009. So I guess, yeah, I guess photos would have still been a thing. It's interesting that it wasn't like a laptop. Or something. Well, it seemed that David had died trying to get off, trying to get his nut off. And that he was into autoerotic asphyxiation. Uh, There was a lot of, you know, conspiracy theories. He was murdered, blah, 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 blah. But after the dust settled, um, he had a few ex-wives. And one of them, his third wife, Gail Jensen, came forward about his sexual preferences. Uh, She told reporters that he liked to tie himself up. He had a fetish for Speedos. And regularly tried, he would, he got off by nearly drowning himself in their family pool. Really? Yeah. On another occasion, they were having a large party in their home. And Gail looked around at one point and noticed that David Carradine was missing her husband. She went down to the basement and found him butt naked and crucified to a large cross like Christ. Just kind of hanging out with an erection. Really? Yeah. Wow. I know people develop kinks. I just, I'm, I'm always, it, it just, it, I think it's interesting how the human brain can take like some completely disparate information that's fed it, you know, through, through our uh, stimuli, 
stimulus, right? Stimuli. Yeah. And then it says, hmm, let's connect that to sex. And, you know, it's like the weirdest stuff gets associated like a sexual arousal with, with in the human brain. I think it all happens in that angsty, like when your sexuality is being crafted and manipulated. And I think yeah. sometimes shit just gets thrown in there on accident. Like when you're making a soup yeah, and like, oh, a, a mouse dropped in it while I was. And then suddenly it tastes like it has like a, the back end is mousy. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, but like something happens. I don't know. People have like balloon fetishes where they just rub balloons on their like shafts and their penis. And Yuck. they're under the backside of their balls and their taint. And they like do stuff with balloons. And then there's people that really like watching dogs have sex with like human, like human people, like people that are like humans. But they like do stuff in their butts with animals and dogs and horses. And then there's like crazy stuff. I knew a girl named Angelica and she um, was a super big weirdo. Uh, one time we had a choir concert, so we're all, you know, on the st- on the little stands wearing our choir costumes and all that, those black robes that make you look like judges. And after the concert, she, we're all like milling about and she whispers in my ear, she's like, I'm naked under this robe. Oh. And I was like, I, but it was, she's the kind of person where I didn't like, I did not entreat that Hold on conversation. Hold Wait, let's fucking hit the brakes. Yeah. Why was she wearing a robe? Well, we were a choir concert. It was a choir concert. So we were oh, all wearing were, the choir okay. robes. Oh, choir. Okay. Yeah. yeah she was like, I'm naked under this robe. And I, I did not know how, what to, how to process that information. Tells you how far away my brain was from any kind of kink at the time. The way you handle that is you lean in and you just go, nice. <laughs> <laughs> I think I said something like, that was probably a mistake. <laughs> but I think in, in later years, she probably, I'm, I'm wearing sure. slacks. <laughs> yeah, I'm wearing my. <laughs> you think she's just opening a conversation? Yeah, yeah. It, it was either opening a conversation or a plea for help. It was interesting why she said it to me, though. Like, like why she picked me to tell that to. Did you ever date a girl that had a weird thing? Like, I, I don't guess it's that, like, none of this is really weird. I guess they can't help it. Uh, I was, I dated a girl for a while that really enjoyed graveyards. Oh, like doing, so that's just like where we always, it's stuff felt disrespectful. Yeah. That's interesting. I was a teenager at the time. So like whatever, but you know, not like on graves, like I've got a line, like I'm not going to, Oh, okay. I would have said no, but she was satisfied just being like on the, in in the drive. Like, you know how you can drive through graveyards with roads on them, just being on the road. If she'd been like, I want to do it on this grave, I would have been like, absolutely not. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, it would have it would have taken a little more cajoling. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I would have done it. I wouldn't have done hmm. it. Well, you never know. Um, I did date a girl. This was this was kind of interesting. I can't. I don't know what it was, but like, okay, so I, I never had sex with this girl, but she always told me that I wasn't physical enough. Like, like, like. I, like strong and like, you know, that I wasn't like fit. I wasn't exercising physicality with her in our like making out and stuff. And I was always like, I don't know. I don't know what to do with that. Like, uh, like in my book of tricks, there wasn't. I think that's like a rape fetish. Yeah. But we weren't having sex or anything. So I didn't like know what I should do. She was a very strong girl. I will say that. 
but I don't, but I, I didn't know how to translate. Like I didn't know what to do to translate making out to be more violent, I guess, or you got to hit your teeth against hers as hard as you can. (laughs) (laughs) See, I didn't know that trick. I love that shit. (laughs) See, I should have had you around then. You got to grind your teeth against her molars like you're chewing on an ear of corn. <laughs> Fucking love it. See, I didn't know she, that was, I didn't know that was a thing. Where were you when I was 16? This wow. is another quote from one of David Carradine's wives. Quote, David was pretty strange. Um, he would like to get tied up and he would tie himself up. And I would walk in and see him and say, Oh my God, David, you have got to be kidding me. And I would turn around and walk out. I would, I would just leave him to his own devices. He spent days planning a different feature. Uh, he would go to a hardware store and, and buy the stuff. Oh, sounds like BTK. BTK would do that to himself. Yeah, he was just really into uh, choking and being choked. Bondage. And bondage and leather and whips. And- Whips and chains, handcuffs. It's from a rap song. I don't know that. All that stuff. Uh, there was all, like I said, there was all kinds of conspiracies. None of them hold any weight. There's no evidence that anybody else was in the room with him at any point. And it looks like this is just a case of him getting too caught up in in his jerking off. I think that he had the shoe, the shoelace. Remember, I said he had a shoelace tied to the tip of his penis behind mm-hmm. the mushroom head, right? So it can't slide off. Right. Okay. Yep. To his neck so that he could lift his neck up like this. Oh. And 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 jerk himself off. We he also had his hands bound. Wow. That's a visual right there. That's what I think. And he just passed out. He he waited one second, just a millisecond too long before he took the pressure off his throat. And when you pass out, that's it, Jack. Yeah. Game over. Yeah, your body weight takes care of the rest. Yeah. There has to be a millisecond there between going out completely, though, and knowing that you're about to go out. Yeah. Where you look at the situation, you look down at your penis, which is hogtied with a Nike shoestring. (laughs) You look at the porn that's fucking tic-tac to the tack to the wall. You look at your fishnet stockings that are dangling off your huge man feet. Think about the fact that you're you're tied up. You see the this lingerie laying on the bed, and there's not a female in sight. And then that millisecond before slipping into eternal darkness, you have to go, "Oh fuck!" Like <laughs> this is gonna be everywhere. Uh, oh no, I've really got myself into into a real pickle this time. <laughs> this is an in, this is a fun question to ask yourself, and and. You don't, you never have to answer it out, out loud, but I always enjoy asking myself, okay, and I review my days and in my day, I'm like, okay, what situations do I put myself in where if I was found dead in that situation, would I be embarrassed that I was in that situation? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I don't have a lot, but I, I will commit to a prank. I will commit hard to a prank. Like my wife thinks I've left the room, but I'm still like staring at her in the doorway and she doesn't notice me for seven minutes and I'm still staring. That's kind of creepy. Yeah, I'll do things. I'll do. I commit. I commit. So I, I've thought about a couple pranks where I was like, man, that was awkward. If I would have died 
mid prank in this mode, people wouldn't have known that it was a prank. And I would have been, you know, they would have been like, yeah, that was weird. That was a really weird way to go. Hold on. Like, what are you doing prank wise where if you die during it, people are going to. I, I just like, you know, like I, I will. At what point when you've been doing a prank, have you looked around and realized that you have the shoestring from a new balance <laughs> around your neck and the other end around your penis and thought, wow, I hope I don't die while I'm doing this prank. <laughs> no. Okay. Okay. Good. Good. I guess that would be a funny prank to do to your wife. Like make it bounce. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a puppet. Um, yeah. Uh, no. Okay. So the other night my wife had pulled the blankets off the bed and was changing out like pillowcases and she had left the room and I had crawled under the, the mess of uh, comforters on the, on the ground. And I was thinking it at that moment. I'm like, she wouldn't know I died in there until she went to like finish the bed. And, and, and I was under there for like eight or nine minutes because she got distracted with the girls in her room or fucking hamster. (laughs) I, I, I would, but little things like that. I'm like, yeah, that would have looked weird. Like she would have been so mad at me. It was under the comforter. I like suffocate under a comforter. And she's like, I got, she'd have to make something else more noble up as to how I died. Well, at the time of his death op, Carradine had a large amount of sex toys on back order at the Susie's Delight sex shop in Los Angeles. And, and that's still there. That shop is still there. It's not a Taco Bell. Still Susie's Delight sex shop. Still, still doing business. But he had a huge back order of sex toys. It kind of sounds like David was just a, a nympho, a little bit of a nympho. He was into some, some, some fun, some fun stuff, just like the good time, and it caught up with him. I, I guess when you're married to a girl named Gail, it just goes without saying you're probably going to be on your own when it comes to your kink. Yeah, she's like, I only, I only. We talked about uh, missionary only, <laughs> lamplight only on. <laughs> My socks don't leave. Not when I'm ovulating. <laughs> David. <laughs> and she's constantly saying things, you know, mid-coitus, like, that's exit only. Exit only. I told you, exit only. She requires eye contact at all times. <laughs> uh, Gail. One thing I looked up, this this got me one. Uh, so, you ever heard of a death erection op? Yeah, actually. Well, yeah, I I hate to say that I've seen a couple um, like gore, like, you know, when I was younger and I'd watch a bunch of gore videos and stuff and you see it happen every once in a while. Like, you know, no, it's when the dead person has the erection, not you, the viewer (laughs) watching. (laughs) I was getting there. (laughs) Oh, man. But no, like I watched. Yeah, there was like a video of some village in Africa where they like, you know, caught some bad guy and, you know, threw rocks at him and beat him and then lit him on fire on top of tires and that that yeah. thing happened. Just a little flaming salute and flag. <laughs> yeah. Little charred erection. One in three hanging victims. One in three hanging victims get get erections. Really? And they keep it in the afterlife. It doesn't go away after they're dead. Huh. It's oftentimes been noted in history uh, and those that were hanged in the gallows during the Western days and during executions, 
Um, that's actually where the phrase hung comes from. Oh, oh. I made that up. Oh, that's okay. not where hung Darn comes it. from. <laughs> completely kidding on that. <laughs> Anyways, it would be, you know, thinking about death erections. Uh, you can also get death erections if there's sudden trauma to the brain. Uh-huh. So like a shotgun blast, uh, you know, car wreck, anything that suddenly descend, decimates the brain that can also cause death erections. There's a lot of science into it. I looked it up. It's not that interesting. That's why I'm not going to talk about it. But uh, it, it is a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyways, it just kind of would be pretty badass to be like a gunslinging outlaw, terrorizing towns and sleeping with floozies, <laughs> stealing horses and robbing banks out in the Old West. And then getting caught by an angry mob and sent to the gallows and then catch a noose with a one-way trip to hell while rocking a raging hard-on in the process. Like, hell yeah. That's the embodiment of an old outlaw, if you ask me. I guarantee you, like, Boone Helm was definitely pitching a tent on his way to meet Satan. That's what I was, that's what I was thinking. Boone Helm would be the one, if, if anybody, Boone Helm. Yep. Well, that's it on David Carradine. Uh, he, he, he met his, I mean, he met his end jerking off. Wow, that's uh, that's interesting. Very sad. Yeah. Next up, Owen Hart. Oh. You know who Owen Hart is? Yeah. Yep. Pretty uh, famous wrestler. Started wrestling in 83. Went to the WWF in 91. Brother of Brett the Hitman Hart. All the ladies remember him. Did you say WWF? Sure. Yeah. Did you know that in 2011... Oh, for fuck. There was a WWF Piedfort 50-piece silver-proof coin yeah. that sold for $899. It was, it was a very, it's a very rare Great Britain WWF. I didn't know that, that Owen was a member of the World Wildlife Fund. That's, I didn't know that about him. He, interesting. I wonder. It wasn't. Neither was Brett the Hitman Hart. Hmm. I'll have to look at the coin closer. World Wrestling Federation. Oh, that's a different one. Yeah, common misconception, like common confusion there. Uh, Panda logo, not really cool logo. Okay. Yeah. Ah. Yeah, common, common confusion. Glad we cleared that up. Yeah, I would have gotten this whole episode. This was a wrestler. Trying to find that coin again. (laughs) Uh. I I used to confuse Bret Hart with Shawn Michaels. Naturally. Yeah, and and Shawn Michaels' song when he remember that song, "Sexy Boys," just a sexy boy, sexy boy. I'm not your boy toy. I used to get Bret Hart mixed up with Nikki Six. Okay, I can see that from Motley Crue. Yeah, they look very yeah, same hair. Yeah, same lipstick. Yeah, uh, Shawn Michaels and Bret the Hitman Hart though different hair colors. I don't know. And Bret the Hitman Hart's hair was always wet. Yeah, always, always wet. He always looked like. He had just walked through like a misty rainforest. Yeah, or like he spent too much time in the carrots section of the produce aisle at the uh, the grocery store. You know where the mister is? Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're talking about what I said and what you said, same amount of water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess I could have just left it with your analogy. Same consistency. Yep. Same type of water. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I was a WCW kid. I didn't watch a lot of WWF. I was super into Sting. Sting, the wrestler. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember that. NWO for life. <laughs> remember that? I was a WWF kid. When Sting turned into a bad guy? I grew up with WWF. I grew up with like Lou Albano. And he, he played Girls Just Want to Have Fun. He was in that. He was the one that was like rubber bands stuck in his face. 
really weird shtick that he had, but uh, yeah, I grew up during that era. Rubber bands stuck in his face. Yeah, look, look up, look up, look up pictures of Lou Albano. Uh, he has rubber bands like stuck in his cheeks and stuff, and he would wrestle that way. It was just the, it, you know, it was in the day where everybody had like some weird gimmick. You know, there was the guy with like the chain mail sheath over his face and nobody knew what he looked like. And, you know, they still do that to this day. I haven't watched wrestling since probably 1998, but I mean, sometimes you'll be cruising through the channels and you'll, it'll pop up and it'll be some dude in like a Michael Myers mask out that like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like they're, they, yeah, it's the flaming dildo. You know, they've always got names, you know? Yep. They they took Bilbo Baggins' mithril shirt and just threw it on their face and was like, "This is my wardrobe." Well, Owen Hart. We're talking. We're not talking about Bret Hart. I spent more time talking about Bret Hart the last ten minutes than I have. We're talking about Owen Hart now. Owen Hart wrestled under the name Owen Hart, but he also had a character that he did from time to time uh, called the Blue Blazer. Mm. Now, the Blue Blazer was. Do you remember the Blue Blazer? The Blue Blazer. We did him a lot in college, uh, where you light your farts on fire. So the blue blazer was the a spoof of uh, I'm just we're just gonna keep on a trucking. Not even gonna acknowledge that you just said that. I thought you were like like other people in college. You were the blue blazer was a nickname for a pill, but you were with your friends lighting your farts on fire. <laughs> blue blazer was like <laughs> it was like a spoof, a parody of a superhero. Uh, his character, the blue blazer character, was like clumsy intentionally cheesy. He had catchphrases like, take your vitamins. Wow. And like, what not? That's true. He, he did say, take your vitamins. That's weird. <laughs> it was like, but he was also clumsy. He would fall all the time. He was like comedic, like, you know, this super goofy, but lovable superhero type character. Interesting. Blue Blazer. Uh, look him up. Before I go on, I do want to say that uh, if you watch interviews with, Anybody that has ever had anything to say about Owen Hart, apparently he was like the most lovable human being on earth. Really? A prankster, family man. Um, he actually turned down uh, Vince McMahon, tried to get him to do a character uh, once uh, where his character <clears throat> was getting obsessed with a female wrestler. And that was like going to be the center point for this beef that he would have with another wrestler. right? Mm. But he refused to do it because he was a family man and devoted to his wife. Oh, that's that's probably hard to do because you don't want to go up against Vince McMahon on things, but that's bold. That's bold. Yeah, he he was very he had strong morals and he stood up for him. I mean, he was with his wife from a young age, never cheated on her once. You know, they were married. It was who he was with when he died. It was the love of his life. He had kids. His kids loved him. He was a great father, a great human being, great brother, great father, great son, great everybody. Just loved Owen Hart apparently. Hmm. And I did law, watched a lot of stuff about Owen Hart, and that kind of makes this a lot sadder. But and the, the, actually, like his last words will kind of prove that. Uh, really, on May twenty third, nineteen ninety nine, in Kansas City, Missouri, we're at the Kemper Arena. It's now called the High V Arena. Weird. Uh, it's WWF. So nineteen ninety nine. This is kind of the peak. You remember when wrestling got big? Yeah. In the nineties, mm-hmm. there was a point though where wrestling owned the world. Yeah. WWF. WCW, NWO, everybody was like doing the fucking Generation X thing where they're like, remember you cross your hands and you smack beside your balls. Yeah. That thing, that sound. That was so, so, such a good move. 
That was like my generation's dab. <laughs> you know how everybody's doing that. The kids do the dab. Like we all just did the generation yep. X thing. That's- so Over the Edge, 1999. Over the Edge is the name of the program. WWF. Uh, it's a pay-per-view program. There are 19,500 people in the stadium. It's sold out. And I would say that no wrestling event has sold out in probably the last 15 years. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> when it died, man, it died. Yeah. Like... It was the biggest thing in the world for like six years, and then it just wet fart. Yeah, it was. It was like like I remember. I probably said this about both things. I I, I know I said, man, I wonder how amazing wrestling's going to be in ten years. At the same time, I said, man, I wonder how amazing monster truck shows are going to be in ten years. <laughs> And uh, I ans- I don't even think they make monster trucks anymore. <laughs> they do, but, you know, it's just not the same. It's not the same. Remember Grave Digger? Oh, yeah. He's still around. And there was also a Sting monster truck. Was there really? There was. Weird. There was a Sting monster truck. That was the only one I would watch. I thought he was just a human. I didn't know he was also a truck. He, he was a Transformer. That's weird. Yeah, not a lot of people know that. Oh. Uh, yeah, it had a, it was like a, body of it had stinks face paint on it oh fun yeah it was pretty cool oh so nineteen thousand five hundred people in the stadium it sold out four hundred thousand people watching on pay-per-view that's a lot of people Uh, one would argue not an ideal time to die no so owen hart is wrestling as the blue blazer this kind of goofy superhero character right for the intercontinental title and he's and he's fighting the godfather Mm, great pizza Fighting the Godfather for the Intercontinental title. Mm-hmm. Now, the Godfather was like a a pimp character, and he came out with five scantily clad women that he called his hoe train. <laughs> and none of this is fake. I didn't make any of this up. <laughs> he would uh, he would often bring his hoe train, his hoes, his five hoes, out to the ring, <laughs> uh, and let his opponents. He, he would offer a deal to his opponent, and he would say that they could take one of his hoes home. If he would forfeit the match <laughs> while millions of little boys watched uh, the Nandis were fucking wild. They were. <laughs> wow. Oh, uh, wow. So fuck everybody that said wrestling wasn't female inclusive. <laughs> wow. All these little kids are watching. Hey, you can take this girl home and against her will sleep with her all the time. <laughs> If you just forfeit this match, <laughs> all we we were all like, <laughs> kids were wearing hoe train, <laughs> t-shirts, the 90s, man. Oh, man. We've come so far. <laughs> uh. Now, like I said, Owen Hart's wrestling as the blue blazer. This was the gig. He was supposed to come down from the rafters on a rope. And make like a superhero top entrance, right? The same way that Sting kind of coined this, made this popular. My boy Sting, mm-hmm. the guy that I was super into. And Sting would do it dressed as basically the Crow. This was his Crow era. The Crow had came out in 1994 and Sting started doing the dark paint in 95. Uh, and it was basically the exact same paint. Do you remember when Sting was like spiky blonde hair? Yeah. He had the colorful paint. He was a like, kind of enthusiastic like good guy character. Yeah, he was like uh he was like if a peacock was a person. I loved him. I loved Sting. I think I told this I'm, I I don't maybe I haven't told this when I was in like the 3rd grade, I went to school one time as Sting. 
I dressed up as Sting oh, for Halloween. I, not just random. It wasn't like in June. <laughs> <laughs> you waited until the appropriate holiday. Yeah. Yeah, it was like Halloween. We're supposed to be dressed up. Okay, okay. Okay. I wanted to be Sting, but I have the body of like a third or fourth grader. <laughs> right. And that's not, thank God it's not sexy to me. I'm, I'm so glad. <laughs> did you go as him? I, I, so what I did, I got spandex. Mom helped me. I got spandex, colorful spandex, and we we drew scorpions down the side of them. And I got some boots. And then I took a, a really tight fitting white t shirt. Uh huh. And I tried to paint it flesh colored. And then I drew abs and pecs on it. So so you looked somewhere between Sting and uh, like Richard Simmons. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, because I did have the hair. Uh-huh. Now, I always wore my hair the way he did just because that's what Sting wore. Yeah. So I had this spiked blonde hair. When I was when I was a kid, my hair was very blonde, and it was spiked up, and then I did the Sting paint. And I remember before going to school that morning, I was standing in my mirror in my room like, I'm going to get so many ladies. <laughs> so, yeah. They're going to lose their fucking mind <laughs> when I walk into the school dressed as Sting. I was looking in the mirror, like blown away at myself. <laughs> like this is, and I mean, it was a goddamn train wreck. Definite, definite trailer park co- costume. <laughs> but I was like looking the super confident, super. So that's all that matters. Who cares how androgynous you looked? <laughs> <laughs> like any of the girls even fucking knew who Sting was. <laughs> but <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, my cheeks hurt. Yeah, anyways. And then Sting became a bad guy in the NWO, and I loved him even more because then he had the black trench coat, and he had a baseball bat, and he was in his angsty teenage years, and so was I. His face paint never got smudged. That's what I remember. It's just like... Oh, yeah, it did. Did it? Yeah, there would be some matches where he would just have paint around his, like, eyes. Oh. This this story isn't even about Sting. I'm sorry. But it's fun. (laughs) I did get to meet him two years ago. Oh, you did? So that, that was cool. Yeah. I, I mean, it didn't mean anything to me then because I haven't watched wrestling in two decades. But <laughs> uh, yeah, f- there was definitely like five-year-old Kent, seven-year-old Kent was in there super excited. <laughs> That's awesome. So anyways, Sting coined this coming down from the rafters thing, right? That's how he always made entrances whenever he was in his bad guy mm. face. Yeah. He would come down from the rafters with a black trench coat and a baseball bat dressed as the crow. And he would beat up Hulk Hogan and all the bad guys in the NWO. He was like a an anti-hero. Okay, yeah. They figured, hey, for the Blue Blazer, uh, what what the, the plan was for the Blue Blazer to come down, uh, he was going to stop a few feet from the mat, then get tangled up, kind of release the clip, and clumsily fall on his back in the middle of the in, in the middle of the ring for a laugh because uh, like, that's kind of the gimmick here, right? Yeah, he's a good guy, but he's a goofball, right. clumsy. That was the plan. Now, because Owen had to um, be able to release the mechanism that was holding him to these ropes quickly, um, they switched out. It was Owen's call to switch out the the typical, extremely safe carabiner clip for what is called a nautical quick-release clip. Mm. And these are for uh, holding boats to docks so that you can just pull on a a little string and it releases. Okay. It's a lot quicker to unhook. You don't have to fool with it. But for something like this, super unsafe. Yeah. Extremely unsafe. It just takes a little bit of pressure. You pull on that little string and it unhooks. Wow. So the the fights have happened. At this point, 
in the stadium, 19,500 people, 400,000 people pay-per-view are watching. They've already had a few matches. The lights in the stadium, they cut out. And at this point, the giant monitors that are in the middle of the stadium are playing the parts of the wrestling match where they talk shit beforehand, right? Mm, yeah. Blue Blazers like, you take your vitamins, kids, and I'm going to I'm gonna eat the Godfather's penis. <laughs> like, all that stuff. You know how they talk shit? Yeah, yeah. Like beforehand. Ho trains here. Girls are showing their nipples. <laughs> the 90s were wild. So it's completely dark in the stadium. They're doing the uh, the little thing on the monitors, the Blue Blazer versus the Godfather. They're talking their shit. Meanwhile, up in the rafters, Owen Hart is dangling 80 feet above the ring, getting ready for his grand entrance. Because as soon as the lights cut back on, he's going to drop down. Unfortunately, while Owen was, he, he's in this uh, kind of climbing rig, right? Goes around his crotch, around his, he's shifting because he's also wearing a cape. Because he's got this, he's playing the blue blazer. He's got this superhero. He's shifting in his rig, trying to get, trying to get comfortable. And he's also adjusting his cape. He's trying, it's probably caught in something. Mm -hmm. He's trying to get it, just trying to get like leveled out, you know? And he accidentally pulls on the rope that goes to the quick release of the nautical clip. Oh, no. He immediately falls 78 feet, which is six stories. Oh. In the pitch blackness, in the darkness, and lands two foot from the turnbuckle. Turnbuckle's the corner. Yeah. Right? You know, where the ropes come to a corner. He lands chest first on top of the ropes. And then kind of flips over onto the mat. He actually almost landed on a referee, Jimmy Corderas, who was uh, getting some like uh, stuff from the last match out of the ring. They had broken a chair and some stuff. He almost landed on top of Jimmy, Jimmy Corderas. Owen Hart's last words while falling were, look out. Oh, man. So he wasn't even concerned about it. He didn't want to hurt somebody else. Oh, my goodness. Uh, that tells you the kind of man that, that that this was. I think that's pretty honorable. I think he knew. I mean, there's not you're not going to survive this. Yeah, six stories. No, but everybody heard him scream, "Look out!" Oh gosh. Fortunately, you know these 19,500 people that are there in the crowd, they didn't they didn't get they couldn't see him fall because the lights were out and the glow of the monitors was blinding. Mm -hmm. Um, but they did hear the thud in the ring, and when the lights cut back on, everybody is confused because now Owen Hart is laying in the middle of the ring motionless. A lot of people thought that it was part of the show at first. Uh, nobody knows what's going on. Uh, and then the paramedics rush in and they start wo working on Owen. Uh, but unfortunately, he died of internal bleeding due to blunt force trauma right there in the ring. He was 34 years old at the time. My goodness. Vince McMahon decided the show must go on. They dragged Owen out of the ring, took a 15-minute break, and then he sent The Rock out there to fight Triple H. That's pretty badass. The The fans got their money's worth. They did. They did. That night. You got $40. You got to see somebody die. And you got to see the rock face Triple H. Yeah, that's a memory maker. So did everybody know he died? Yes. So after they wheeled Owen out of the stadium, what is that guy's name? The announcer. One of the announcers announced that he was dead. Oh, my goodness. And then the rock came out to fucking fight Triple H. Yeah, I'm guessing because wrestling is such a, you know, soap opera, people probably still thought for days that it was part of the thing and that he was going to show back up or something. Uh, no, they made it clear. Oh. And the, uh, like, this is not a joke. Uh, they actually dropped the facade that this is real, right? They even said, what is that guy's name? It's the guy that Jerry Lawler, the guy that used to fight Andy Kaufman. 
all the time was sitting there with him. Um, but he said, hey, this isn't one of our little things that we do. This isn't us playing around. He said, he made the comment that we sometimes, you know, it's it's not like a ju- it's not like a secret that this is scripted and everything. This is not part of the show. Owen Hart is genuinely he's dead. Oh my gosh! And then the fans got to watch The Rock fight Triple H. And that that's a memory right there. Forty dollars, all that for forty dollars. And then fast forward to twenty twenty one, and you get to watch The Rock fall to his death through six stories of terrible movies. Oh my God, that's never ending. It's always the same. Why do we keep, and I love The Rock as a person. Like as a human being, I think he's super lovable, but he is not, he is yet to make a good movie. Yeah. Not not once. It's so mediocre, everything that he is in. The best The Rock movie was The Rock with Sean Connery. <laughs> I will say this, you know, this blue blazer gimmick that he that that Owen Hart had, like this clumsy superhero, the way that uh, this is all so blue blazer. Yeah, I, he went out in, right. in character for sure. There's nothing sillier than falling 80 feet and dying in front of 19,500 people, half of them Silly children. Silly goose. Fucking blue blazer. He's right to the Committed end. Committed to the role. He's the blue blazer right to yep. the end. <laughs> uh, feel bad about laughing. Albert Decker is next. Oh, him. Albert Decker. Albert Decker was an, and you probably don't know who Albert Decker is. No. Albert Decker was an actor from 1933 to 1969. Um, He had about 20 million acting credits, actually over 100, over 100 acting credits to his name. He was big in that period. He was in shows like The Wild Bunch and Bonanza. He was in the OG Mission Impossible. He was in Death of a Salesman and on and on and on. A lot of popular stuff at the time, but nothing that anybody gives a single solitary fucking fuck about today. I'm Googling a picture of him just to see if I recognize him, and I don't. Albert Decker. Okay. On Thursday evening, May the 2nd, 1968, 63-year-old Albert Decker and his fiance, who ended up being the Love Boat creator, oh. Geraldine Saunders. She hasn't created the Love Boat yet. Geraldine Saunders. They go out for a night on the town. They they see a play by the name of, and I'm not making this up. This is the name of the play they watched that night, the latent the latent heterosexual. Whoa, uh, or latent is it latent, latent. or latent? I'm trying to uh, let me unpack that for a second. The latent un- hum- heterosexual that would mean that he was slow to realize he was a heterosexual. So it was a- actually that kind of you know. I, that makes sense. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why that makes sense. Let me describe the plot. Yeah. It's about a gay dude who has to quickly marry a woman for tax reasons and then slowly over the length of the play realizes he likes it and then finally realizes that he isn't gay. He just has erectile dysfunction. Oh, another silly goose. So that kind of makes sense. The title now that you said that that's what it means, like slow... Like the slow to realize he's heterosexual. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that's how being gay works, though. I don't think so. Because, like, I know that I'm not gay because I couldn't get my dick hard for Andy Milanakis. Yeah. I know. I Like, no matter how hot the guy is, Ryan Reynolds probably one of the finest men that has ever walked the face of this earth. If he spread his butt in front of me, I still couldn't get erections. 
I I know I'm not gay because I think my wife is super hot. Yeah, that too. You think my wife's hot? My wife, not. I mean, your wife is very attractive. Thank you. So is yours. Thank you, but like, it's like this play. I mean, it is 19, 1968. They, it's all based on on erections. Uh, right? Like uh, uh, <laughs> homosexuality is just <laughs> melted down to that. It's just oh. That's the can't get an erection for ladies. I must be gay. Uh, so did they like solve his uh, erectile dysfunction at the end? Was there a doctor that at the end there was like, here, take four tablets of this medixafloppin and you'll be fine in the morning. I don't know. I just know that by the end of the play, he realizes he's not gay, that he likes women. And the reason that he thought he was gay in this fir- in the first place, it, it came down to because he had erectile dysfunction. Hmm. That's one I... I feel like I have to watch. I'm not making any of this up. The listener can look it up. Look up the the plot to the play. This is the plot to the play. Uh, It's called The Latent Homosexual or Heterosexual. I'm sorry. Interesting. The Latent Homosexual was the sequel. (laughs) (laughs) So anyways, they go see this play, The Latent Heterosexual. At the Huntington Hartford Theater at 1615 Vine Street in L.A. Fun fact, the the Huntington Hartford Theater is now called the Ricardo Montalban Theater. And it's there that you can see such shows as Sheetle Juice, which is an all-drag recreation of the Michael Keaton classic Beetlejuice. So that's a lot of fun. Ricardo Montalban, that's, that's fun too. Also interesting because Ricardo Montalban was on The Love Boat. Was he really? Yeah. Yeah, he was like the main, he, was, he wasn't the midget Deplane Deplane guy, but he was the other. I've never seen Love Boat. Oh, you're missing out. I don't think so. Nah, you're not. So anyways, they have dinner. They see this play. They have dinner. Decker drops his lady off, uh, Miss Geraldine, at her apartment and then returns to his apartment. The next day, which was Friday, May 3rd, 1968, Geraldine tries to contact Albert many times on the phone in order to make plans for that evening. But he never answers. Next day, Saturday, May 4th, Geraldine goes all day without hearing anything from Albert again. She is now extremely concerned. Yeah, the thick plottings. Dun, dun, dun. Sunday morning, May 5th, 1968. She's now worried something is like horribly wrong. So Geraldine makes her way across town to Albert Decker's apartment at 1731 North Normandy Avenue, in Los Angeles. And that, that apartment's still there today. You can look it up on, on Google Maps. It's completely unchanged. Uh, there's actually a video on YouTube called Dearly Departed, Volume 1, Albert Decker. And uh, some asshole, he goes into this apartment where a young lady is living by herself. He's making a documentary, I guess, about, about this death. She's living there by herself. He has to come in. He's like, I'm with the Dearly Departed you know, YouTube thing. And uh, this young lady is completely unaware of what has happened in her apartment. And then he goes to tell her the whole story of this horrible death that happened in her apartment. And she was completely horrified and not aware of it. The, the landlord. So kind of a dick move. Whoops. I would argue. Yeah. When Geraldine goes to his Albert Decker's apartment on this Sunday on the door, she finds a huge number of notes and reminders from friends of Albert Decker that had stopped by in the past two days. And this is before answering machines, I would imagine, uh, before email. She writes a note of her own and then slips it under the door and returns many hours later that evening 
only to find that the note she had left had remained completely untouched. It's at this point that she goes downstairs and contacts the management of the apartment building. The management comes up. They open the door to Decker's apartment. He's dead. The management comes up. They open the door to Decker's apartment, uh, which, by the way, was locked but not bolted. Mm. Everything in the apartment was completely normal. Uh, There was no sign of a ruckus. Um, Everything was where it should be, aside from the fact that the bathroom door was locked from the inside. After many knocks, nobody answers. And at that point, they made a forced entry, and it is inside that they found six foot three inch, 240 pound, 63 year old Albert Decker in a very unflattering position. Um, a, a, a dead one. Oh, I knew that's where we were headed. He was, uh, this is kind of David Carradine esque in a way, hanging by a noose from the shower head completely naked in a kind of crouched position. His lower body was already purple from from decomposition. He had two hypodermic needles hanging out of his arms, one in each arm. A scarf was tied around his eyes. He had a homemade horse bit in his mouth that had been made out of a rubber ball and wire. It ran all the way around his head. Two women's leather thongs had been used as like kind of like a Mad Maxian style, like accessory outfit of sorts. Like one was around his neck and the other one was stretched out and around his chest. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> Those two leather thongs were also um, tethered to the uh, horse, homemade horse bit that was in his mouth. Wow. With ropes. Wow. Complex. Yeah. A lot of work to jerk off. Like a lot of work to jerk off. Yeah. His hands were handcuffed behind his back. He wore a normal belt, but to that belt was tied another rope that went down between his legs and was tied to his ankles. And then the rope came back up to his own hands. The end of the rope ran back up. He was holding that rope still in his left hand, and he had been pulling himself into like a fetal position. So uh, so imagine this belt. There's a rope tied to the front of it. Yeah. It runs down to his ankles, ties his ankles together, and then the rope runs back up to his hand, which is in the handcuff. So he kind of, I guess, can maintain how much pressure oh. he puts on pulling his own legs up. I see. Okay. Weird. On his right ass cheek, above two hypodermic needle puncture wounds, written in red lipstick, was the word whip. He also had a drawing of a little sun on his ass cheek, so that was kind of cute. Not like an S-O-N, not like, you know, (laughs) not just somebody's son. (laughs) S-U-N. Okay. Like the one that emits energy. Mm. (laughs) Uh, Around his nipples was also sun rays drawn in red lipstick. Fun. In red lipstick on his chest was written, make me suck. Slave. Now these are separate. This is this is a separate word now. So make me suck. End quote. And then also underneath that, slave. And then underneath that, cocksucker. Wow. He had he had clearly been a bad little boy. This was ornate. Getting, getting punished for it like the worthless little piece of shit that he was. They like that kind of talk. Yeah. Do they would have loved that? Yeah. On his fupa. There was a vagina drawn, so like the area above your 
your wiener, but below your belly button. Ah, okay. Somebody had, had drawn, either he or somebody else had drawn a vagina in red lipstick. Hmm. Weird. Investigators determined that he had probably been dead since Friday night. There was no sign of forced entry. Uh, however, there was a video camera missing and $70,000 in cash, which is uh, $556,000 today. Wow. Uh, the reason he had that much cash was that he was in the middle of buying a house in Encino Hills. Yeah, th- this one, I mean, it's got the David Carradine vibe, but also that that seems very complex to just be doing by yourself. Yeah, it is. I think what happened, I think this is actually pretty simple to explain, honestly. Uh, so what I think happened, uh, he's obviously into this stuff, right? I, I think that this is yeah. mutual to a point. Mm-hmm. This is, uh, or not mutual, consensual. Mm-hmm. I think he got home from that date with Geraldina. It's the 60s. It's, it's old fashioned, you know, like, oh, we're not going to do butt things yet. Like, we're not married. Yeah. Yeah. He probably... He probably whispered in her ear after the place, like, oh, I know I'm not gay. <laughs> you know, like that. I don't know about you, but I, for one, am definitely not gay. <laughs> Geraldine. So he gets home with blue balls. Mm-hmm. He dials a hooker. The end. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're she right. She stole the camera to get rid of evidence. Uh, one thing that I, that I read about this kind of fetish, they really like a lot of times taking pictures and recording it. Or be, are doing it in front of a mirror. Yeah. So yeah. that they can watch it. That BTK actually yes. did that. Took some crazy photos of himself in so many positions. I'm like, how did you get out of that afterward? So weird. And uh, yeah, she so she did all that with him. He died. Uh, she stole the camera, not only because it's a camera in the 60s. It's probably worth a lot of money if you pawn it. But it's also got video evidence of her participation in this. Uh, she takes, she finds the money, take that, bada bing, bada boom. Uh, there's now a dead body with a bunch of oddities surrounding you it. You know, I'll go as far as to say it might have been a he. he yeah. Could have been. Could be a he. Could have been. You know? You never know. Whatever made him spray mayo. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Well, my head has just been, I didn't know I knew some of the hymns that I apparently came into my brains tonight from this. Is that it? That's it. Oh my gosh. Uh, we're, we're coming up on two hours. Um, this, like, you know, much like bog bodies, much like botched executions. Uh, this could be like a thing that I do every couple of, like every, I don't know, 15 episodes or so. I like it. Uh, there's a lot of weird deaths out there, man. Uh, probably wouldn't next time, honestly. Uh, it's kind of these were the wildest celebrity deaths mm-hmm. that I could find. Uh, for the most part, it's it's ODs, yeah, celebrities. It's, it's just overdoses. Pretty boring. Pretty pretty boring stuff. But I mean, doing uh doing odd deaths just on normal people, dude. There's there's content. I could do a whole oh, podcast. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's all. It's interesting to. I don't know why. Like like. My my him my him mode didn't actually kick in as much as I thought it would while we were talking. Yeah, I'm, about I'm I've got you kind of conditioning, <laughs> circling the drain. Yeah, I'm breaking you. Yeah, you've uh, you you're grooming me. <laughs> I feel like Dolph Lundgren in Rock. <laughs> you will lose 
If he dies, he dies. <laughs> I must break you now. <laughs> uh, well, this was a this was a night of discovery and entertainment. I don't um I don't want to talk to you tomorrow. <laughs> okay, thank you. Yes. I need a day to so mission accomplished. <laughs> but I'll probably call you. Actually, who am I kidding? It's Sunday tomorrow, so by the end of the day I'm I've been thinking about you all day and I'll probably call and <laughs> pray over your sleeping co- you know, I, I know that this is like a breakaway from what we normally do, but I wanted to kind of break up the, I wanted to do like kind of a fun, more comedy kind of based yeah. episode and, and something a little bit more before we get back next week into some really dark stuff. Uh, well, well, now I don't know if I should just look forward to what we just did or fear what's coming. I guess either way, I, I'll probably call you tomorrow. Uh, please uh, don't. Okay. I love you. What? What? Bye.